I was, I don't know, 25 or so. And I was walking to the spot where I get my shame. Any of you have a spot like that? Where you walk to a place where this is, this is where you know harm is going to come. Like no matter what your feelings say, no matter what, you know in the end of this, this is going to lead to broken hearts, shame, guilt, and regret. I was walking to my spot. Can you think of your spot? I was walking to mine. And, and I had been introduced. I had been introduced to the gospel, but the gospel hadn't become a part of my life. It hadn't started, it didn't transform every area of my life. It was a superficial understanding of the gospel. And so I was walking there, and I thought to myself, I have no other choice. I have to do this. I'm compelled to do this. I'm compelled to go to the shame place. So I went, and I remember telling myself, why don't you start crying now? Because you know you're going to cry later. So why don't you start crying now? And I just kept on going. And you know, I went right to the place, did my shame, and then left and cried. I think, I think a lot of us have the gospel, the gospel that sets us free and still find ourselves bound by certain things. The gospel that's supposed to liberate us and yet still has us in bondage. Not The gospel doesn't have us in bondage, but we still have things in our lives that have us in bondage. For some of us, it's an addiction, like to a drug, to a drink, to a... It's an addiction, and, and we're pursuing that thing. And we know it's going to cause us shame. We know it's going to cause us heartache. We know it's going to break our hearts, but we pursue it anyway. We go, no, no, no. It's, it, I, I know I shouldn't do this, but it feels good, tastes good, looks good, so I want to do it. Because the gospel, the truth of the gospel hasn't gone deep enough in our hearts. I know I shouldn't drink anymore, but we haven't, gotten, we haven't found joy in the gospel of Jesus Christ, so we try to find joy at the bottom of a bottle. Maybe for some of us, it's bitterness. We go, yup, God has forgiven me. We serve a Savior who had to die to forgive me. And that's good and right. I like that about the Bible. But am I going to forgive that person for what they did when I was eight years old? No way. No way. There's a bitterness. Or maybe what they did with my spouse. No way. I'm not going to forgive them. It's a bitterness. See, we have an idea of what the gospel is, but we haven't applied it to our hearts. That's the thing. You can know something, but if you don't apply it, there's no joy in it. It's like being hungry and having a plate of food in front of you. And you know that this plate of food will nourish you. But if you don't eat it, you don't get the nutrients. You don't get the joy of it. Maybe for some of us, it's depression. We run to depression and we let our minds, I'm not talking about the medical kind of depression. I'm talking about the mind kind of depression. You know what I mean? 
Like, you know, where you just start to spiral. Oh, it's always good. Always going to be bad for me. Always going to be negative. Always, always, always. And then you just, and then you find yourself there four months later, still stuck in the darkness. It's a terrible thing. You know that the, the, the gospel is a light and a truth. You know that the gospel alleviates that, but it's just, it's out there, but it's not in here. It's not applied. You see, this is what you have to know about truth. In order for the truth to be enjoyed, it has to be applied. In order for the truth to be enjoyed, it has to be applied. The reason that you may be sitting in this seat and be near suicide or near divorce or near a depression or near, you know, within the midst of a really difficult time in your life is because you have the truth, but you have not applied the truth to your soul. I think that that's a, lot of, that's a big problem for a lot of us. It's the reason why we struggle with shopaholism, shopaholicism, or we sh struggle with bulimia, or we struggle with hatred and malice, or lust. It's why we struggle with things that we know are going to bring us harm, but yet we go to them anyway. The reason is it's because the truth hasn't nearly gotten deep enough into our hearts. It's not applied. It's just theorized or known about. We're in a brand new series. It's called The War. And the point of this series is to let you know that we are in a battle. But God gives us every resource that we need in order to be victorious in the battle and in order to have joy even within the midst of the battle. So in this series, we started last week, we talked about that God has given us his armor. He's given us all that we need in order to endure, in order to go forward, in order to succeed in the battle that's before us. God has given us everything that we need. And if we are, we are defeated to the degree that we are not applying what he has given us. You've, heard, you've all heard the story about the, and, and it comes in like a hundred different ways, but it, it comes in one of, right, where there's an old person, and they're eating like cat food. They're so poor, they're eating cat food. And then they die, and then uh, the new owners, you know, gutting the house, cleaning the house, they go into the attic, then what do they find? Anybody know in that story? A million dollars! And the story always goes like this. If they only knew what they had. I'm telling you, the person sitting in your seat is, is that cat food eating person. You simply don't apply all the riches that you've received in the gospel. What you're doing is you're subsisting on something other than the gospel to get you through. What do we do? Rather than running to the gospel, rather than running to the truth of God's word, what we do is we run to what? Pop psychology, we run to self-help, we run to idols, we run to anything other than the gospel. So God gives us everything that we need, and he starts 
as he gives us, as he starts explaining what we've received, he starts in a very curious place. I want you to read the text with me. The text that we're going to read is from Ephesians. We're staying in Ephesians for like uh, some weeks now. And it's going to be Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Um, If you haven't read it, you should read it because we're going to stay there for a few weeks. And I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. You need to listen to this message because anytime you are in pain, anytime you fall to an addiction, anytime you run to something that's going to bring you shame and hurt and heartache, you need to... It's because you are not submitting to the truth that you know. And so you need this message in your marriage. Every time you're, you're having these knockdown drag outs with your spouse, it's because you're not experiencing the truth of the gospel. Every time you find yourself wrestling with food and, 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 and taking in too much, and then letting it go, taking in too much, and then, or just taking in too much and then feeling bad and taking in more. And Listen to me. It's because you have not applied the truth of the gospel. Every time you want to sin and act out on lust, maybe because, you know, it's getting, you're getting older in life, and if you don't do this, then he's not going to stay, or maybe because you just, you know, you saw Poppy doing this when you were growing up, and so you have to act this way. This is what it means to be a man, to act out on Lust, listen to me. It's because you're not applying the truth to your life. I want you to see in verse 14, we're only going to look at half of a verse today. And we're just gonna we're gonna just pick it apart and see what God would give to us. We're gonna look at half a verse. So now one of the things that we do as a tradition in this church is we stand at the reading of God's word. This is a reminder to us that God is above our thoughts, that God is higher than our thoughts. And so we're going to read this one verse, verse 14. I want you to read it with me in a nice, loud voice. Now, there's verses 10 through 13 that we, we did last week, and we put all of the verses 10 through 20 in your bulletin so that you don't think I'm pulling this out of the air. You can read it for yourself. But today we're just going to focus, focus on this one verse It's verse 14, and it's going to help us to become free. Really, listen to me. Before we read this verse, I want you to know, your freedom's at stake. Your joy is at stake. Don't you want to be free? Can you taste it? Don't you want to not continue? Don't you want 2018 to look different than 2017? That look different than 2008? Well, we need to apply the gospel, and it needs to, and it will set us free. It will set us free. Let's read this together in a nice, strong voice. One, two, three. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. This is God's word. That's what we're going to look at today. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, look at me. There's a couple of things that I want you to know about this verse when Paul is talking about standing firm and he's talking to the Ephesians, you got to understand he's not talking to any one individual. He's talking to the church. 
The church is not an address. The church is not a set of bricks that look gothic. The church is not a place that, the church is the community of believers that gather together to worship God, love one another, and, and other things, but minimally to do that. So, so Paul is talking about, talking towards the entire church, and he's saying, stand firm then. Don't waver as a community. I mean, this has personal application for sure, but I'm telling you, there's going to be a willing, listen, here's the number one thing, the, the number one lie Satan is going to throw your way, that in some way you would be better off if you weren't gathering with the believers, or, or that you every few years will hop from one church to another, because quite frankly, this is up to your speed. Or that, that you don't need anybody else. All you need is God's word. I'm telling you, when I find people like that, I get really concerned for them. Because we were never meant to walk this walk on our own. It's insane. Think about you. Think honestly. I know some of you think you're very strong and that you're very capable and you're very able people. But even the strongest, most capable people in the world need other people. And I'm telling you, everybody that belongs to Jesus needs everybody that belongs to Jesus. We need each other. We need each other. So he's saying, stand firm, not just individually, not just like the lone ranger, no, but rather as a community of believers. That means if I hear a lie about you, then I don't progress that lie, I address the lie. Do you understand? In other words, if someone comes here and says something to me about the person sitting in your seat, I don't go, really? Tell me more. What I do is, what I do is I go, hey, why don't we go to that person together? Oh, no, 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 I don't want to do that. Well, why on earth would you be telling me this? Well, because I just want you to pray for them. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, that's called gossip. I'm telling you, crack has killed its thousands. Prostitution, in terms of churches, crack has killed its thousands. Prostitution has killed its thousands. But gossip, when it comes to churches, tens of thousands. So stand firm. Be a community of believers who will love one another. And when you see your brother falling, you don't go to him and say, come on, try harder. You go, brother, come on, we'll do this together. And you bear the load and you stand. Because sometimes standing firm means being together, holding, locking arms. So if we're going to go forward in what we're going to find out about the gospel in this message, we have to first realize that it's not done alone. That Paul says, the first thing when he says, when he says, after everything that I've told you about the armor of God that I'm going to give you, that it's going to be yours and, it's going to be, and you're going to be able to stand again, stand firm, do it as a community. You go, man, I don't know why I keep on going back to that thing, going back to that place, messing with that person. I don't know why. It's because you're not standing firm as a community. You're doing it on your own. We need to stand firm. Let me tell you something. If I'm walking down a dark alley, the more, the merrier. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I want 10, 15, 20 people, preferably the size of some of you guys here, right? Like, large men. You know, when I'm walking through life, the more the merrier. 
And some of you, that's enough for you. Some of you, you do not have to go beyond that. That's the truth that you needed today, that you've been a Lone Ranger Christian, that you just check in and you check out. You come sometimes, you don't come sometimes. You serve or you don't serve, but it's all up to you. You're not united to the body, and therefore you're struggling. And I don't care if you've been in the Lord for 50 years, I'm telling you. If you're going to stand, you're going to have to stand firm together. I need you. I really need you. If I don't have you, I lose. You know what? You really need me. If you don't have me, you lose. Every one of us should be able to say that because we're a part of the body. He starts this first instruction by first saying, be together, stand firm, be together. Then, and then he talks about the first piece of the armor. And he says this, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. I think that it's interesting that Paul would start with armor that's not armor. In other words, the belt of, okay, so the belt of truth is not necessarily something that you use in a battle, right? You use a shield in a battle, for sure. You use shoes in a battle, for sure. You use a breastplate in a battle and a helmet and a sword. For sure you use all this thing, but nobody uses a belt unless you're my dad, right? <laughs> nobody uses a belt, not in a battle, right? Why would he say that? You see, what Paul is saying is that there's this thing, it's called truth. And he wants it to be, and it's actually a girdle. Some of you have read this in your Bible, and in some of your versions it says, the, gird yourselves. Put the girdle on. It's a girdle. Women, you know what a girdle is, right? It's not something that's demonstrated out there. It's something that you put on the inside. It covers your, your, your private areas. And Paul is saying, take this thing into the deep private areas. Take this truth of God's word and apply it to the deepest parts of who you are. Put on the belt of truth. It's the belt of truth because we've already absorbed the belt of lies. We've already absorbed the belt of misunderstanding. We've already absorbed the belt that has nothing to do with Joy in the spirit of God. He says, put on the belt of truth in the deepest, in the, in the places of your soul where it's most needed. Paul wants us, interestingly enough, to put on the belt. Another reason he wants us to put on the belt is because the belt is what holds everything together, right? God forbid I should take my belt off now. It's a, it's a terrible thing that would happen. You too, right? Belt holds everything together. In my case, it's tucking in my shirt. It's holding up my pants. It's, it's holding this uh, wireless mic on me. The belt is doing a lot of work. Well, the belt holds these things together so that you're able to stand. You see, remember what we said, that in order for the truth to be enjoyed, it must be applied? See, we want to use truth in our life, not just know about truth. 
And so this means, as we stand firm, that the belt of truth is buckled, is placed, is placed in the deepest parts of our heart so that when the battle comes, we're able to quickly respond. You know what would happen in, um, in the days that Paul wrote when a soldier would um, get ready for battle, they had these long flowing robes, right, that they would walk in. And then when you would have to run or go into battle, they would take their robes and tuck it into their belt, and then they would be ready for battle. Then they would be ready to run. Then they would be ready to engage the enemy. You see, this is why the truth is so important, and this is why some of you are so miserable. Because there's this one aspect of the armor that you haven't put on. And it doesn't matter how many other aspects of the armor you put on, you'll always be miserable if you're not walking with the truth. Remember what we said last week? We said that Paul started Ephesians, the first three chapters about what knowledge you needed to have. And then he concluded in the last, and this is, I know, an oversimplification, but generally speaking, the first three chapters about the knowledge that you should have and the last three chapters about how to apply that. And the reason we said was because um, actions proceed, um, actions uh, follow uh, uh, beliefs. Actions follow beliefs. So if you believe, if you believe that your spouse is an enemy or is out to get you, that's going to produce a behavior. If you believe that your children are just going in, the, in a direction that um, is meant to hurt you, then your actions are going to behave like that. If you believe, if you believe that only at the end of the bottle or at the end of a joint or at the end of some other drug that you will find joy or happiness or at the end of the Haagen-Dazs uh, 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 pint or, or at the cashier's uh, uh, desk when you purchase your clothes or car or whatever, if that's what you believe, then that's because what you believe affects how you behave. So he says, put the belt of truth on. It'll change everything. Now, I'm going to give you some ways that this will change your life, but this doesn't have to be talked about too much. Listen, the gospel has truth, and that truth will set you free. Jesus will set you free. But if you just know about the truth and don't apply to the truth, then you'll be in the same bondage that you've always been. Let me tell you how this happens. Let's say, for instance, you walk around with shame. You walk around with shame. That's the belt that you put on, shame. Everything that you do, you won't go to apply for a better job because you walk around with shame. You won't go back to school because of the shame you feel. You walk around with this dark cloud over your head because of shame. That's sort of your identity. That's who you are. You just beat yourself up. Shame. If you, what if you applied the gospel to your shame? In Hebrews 12.2, you're not going to see this on the screen, but I want you to see it. In, um, I want you to hear it in your heart. If I'm a person who walks around with shame and I started to apply the truth of God's word, what if I applied Hebrews 12.2? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, 
If I'm wrestling with shame, and shame, real shame, for things that I've really done, I can go, you mean, God, this is a terrible thing that I did, and when I'm reminded about it, I just feel this dark sense of shame. But Lord, would, would you, oh wait, you took that shame to the cross, and you endured that shame for me. And so now, because you endured the shame for me, I can walk in joy. I can walk in liberty. That can be my identity because the gospel frees me from my shame. Because Jesus walked in shame, I don't have to. Because Jesus endured the shame, I don't have to. What if, what if you're sick, like physically ill, and the doctor says it's not going to go well? The doctor says, you only have a few months to live. Now that's serious. If there's ever a time you need to apply the truth, it's in a moment like that. The, the, the gospel says that, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Listen to me. In the new heavens and the new earth, you get a new body. A new body that doesn't take calories the way it does now. A new body that doesn't pull a hamstring just because they're going up a flight of stairs. A new body whose hair doesn't recede or doesn't go gray. Never again will you ladies have to buy all those paints that you buy for your hair because you get a new body. And listen to me. It's this, watch this. The gospel gives you that joy so that when the doctor says you only have six months to live, you can say, no, 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 no. I, have, I, own, I'm, I only have six. Let's finish that sentence well. I only have six months to live on this earth. But there's a new heavens and a new earth. And that gives me a different perspective. What am I doing? I'm applying the belt of truth. I'm putting on the belt of truth. I'm not believing the lies that this is all there is and this is all there's ever going to be. And let me tell you something. If you're here and perhaps you're an atheist and you don't believe this Bible mumbo jumbo and some professor told you that it's full of lies and, 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 and nonsense and who can believe it? It was written 2,000 years ago by man. Let's just face it. Just listen. If that's what you believe and there's, and, and there's nothing else beyond this earth I just don't have any encouragement for you when you receive that from the doctor. And just in case you don't know it, the going rate for death on this planet is 100 out of 100. In other words, no one gets off this planet alive. No one. We all, we all will breathe our first and we will breathe our last here. Listen. I have no hope to give you. So even if you don't believe the gospel, can I just ask, can I just suggest something? Don't, don't you want it to be true? Even if the gospel is just like, nah, man, I don't believe it, professor, and, you know, history channel, and all these things that I heard, and the newspaper article, and all that other stuff. I get it, I get it. I'm not going to argue with you now. I'm just saying, don't you at least want the gospel to be true? Listen, I got good news. It's true. And I'm trying to help you to apply the belt of truth. Because in moments like that, you don't need good encouragement. You don't need uh, good self-esteem. In moments like that, you need Jesus. Applying 
the belt of truth. Why? Because in order for the truth to be enjoyed, it's got to be applied. What? What if you feel dishonored? Like you feel real discouraged and dishonored, disrespected by others. The gospel says that God crowns us with love. He honors us with love. In Psalm 103, verse 4, the Bible says that God crowns us with love. That means your boss may think you're uh, a terrible human being. That means your spouse may say the most vile things to you. That means other people might disrespect you up and down the block. But let me tell you something. You are crowned with love. God honors you. And, and the truth is, if God is who God is, then who cares what anybody else thinks about me? Like my father might think that I'm a piece of garbage. I, there's nothing I can do about that. But I got a father in heaven who crowns me with love, right? My, I tell you, others in my life might not think I'm hot stuff, but I have a Savior who went to the cross just so that he could be with me forever. You see, you have to put on the belt of truth, and if you don't put on the belt of truth, what you'll wind up doing is putting on the belt of depression, putting on the belt of sorrow. You'll put a, see, there's got to be a belt that holds everything together. You'll put on the belt of addiction. You'll put on the belt of bitterness. You'll put on the belt. You'll put on, you'll put on something that will only, there's something that's going to hold everything together. I'm telling you, it should be the belt of truth. What about, speaking of addiction, what if addiction is where you're at? You can't stop drinking. You can't stop smoking. You can't stop shooting up. The gospel says that Jesus is far, far better than any other savior that you could. Because all addiction is, so you know, all addiction is, is idolatry. You heard me said this a lot. You don't have an alcohol problem. You don't have an eating disorder problem. You don't have, a, you don't have an anything problem. You have a worship problem. You're worshiping the wrong things. You're going to the wrong thing to get your satisfaction. Jesus, uh, the, or rather, the Bible says this in Deuteronomy 31.8. I'm sorry, in um, Psalm 103.5. Who satisfies your desires with good things. Who satisfies your desires. Do you have longings? Do you have desires that can't be righteously satisfied? Maybe you're single and you have desires that can't be righteously satisfied. Listen, God takes it upon himself to fulfill your desires. Not with stuff that'll kill you. With good things. Not with stuff that's going to take life from you. Not with stuff that's going to shame you. With God will satisfy your desires with good things. Perhaps, perhaps your thing is depression. What does it mean to put on the belt of truth when you're struggling um, with depression. Well, it means, listen, if depression is I'm all alone, nobody cares about me, nobody will ever love me, nobody will be there for me, nobody, listen to me. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you 
and will be with you. He will never leave nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Now, I know that that was given to a particular people at a particular time, but I'm telling you, that's a principle of a truth for you and for me, that God won't leave and he won't forsake, that God will never turn his back on you, that your parents, that your children, that your workplace, that your relationships, that your, you might turn your back on you. You might give up on you. God won't. The people that love you the most in this world might give up on you. God won't. He promises to never leave to never forsake. He says this over and over and over again. Beloved, you need to, when you're in depression, you need to put the belt of truth. I, I do this because I, I struggle with depression, and I've told you this before. I do this. When I'm struggling with depression, I say, oh, my soul. I talk to my soul. Have you ever talked to your soul? I stop listening to myself when I'm in the depression because listening to myself is no good for my health. So I talked to my soul. I said, oh, my soul, find your satisfaction. Find your encouragement in your Savior who went to the ends of the earth to save your soul. Your Savior who will never leave nor forsake. I speak the truth of God's word. Why? What am I doing? I'm buckling. I have the belt, the belt of truth. Why? Because in order for the truth to be enjoyed, it needs to be applied. Maybe, maybe you have bitterness, and we talked about this already, but I'll just quickly say, if, if you're struggling with bitterness, what would it look like if Colossians 13, uh, 3.13 was what you went to? Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. Isn't that crazy? Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. You know, if you can't forgive anybody, this is what I found out about me. When I can't forgive someone, it's because I don't understand how much I've been forgiven. I simply don't. I haven't put on the belt of truth. The fact is is that nobody has ever harmed me like I harmed God. Never. Nobody is as bad to me as I've been to God. And I know you're thinking, oh, no, 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 listen, you, you know, I, I'd like for you to try to top me, but I've, I've been physically abused, sexually abused, verbally abused, you name it. Nobody has ever harmed me like I harmed God. My, the harm that I did to God led to his torture and crucifixion. Think about that. His torture and crucifixion. Nobody has ever harmed me the way I have harmed the creator of the universe who loved me and gave himself for me. So what does it mean? It means that when I put on the belt of truth in these circumstances that I go, oh man, God, you mean this is how you felt when I sinned against you and yet you came from heaven to earth, lived the life that I should have lived, died the death that I was supposed to die, and then and forgave me? You mean, this is the pain, the pain that I'm feeling over their offense towards me. This is how you felt? The pain that I feel because of the lie that they said about me, this is how you felt? The pain that I feel because of the betrayal that they gave me, this is how you felt? Man, God, and you forgave me? You washed that forgiveness over me? Then, man, I want to I wanna walk. I want to overflow. I, I can't believe that that's the forgiveness you've given me. I want to overflow 
that forgiveness onto the lives of others. Man, I'm telling you, put on the belt of truth. Now, what would happen? What would happen if you put on the belt of truth? Let's say, for instance, tomorrow's Monday, and we just said, you know what? Jesus, I need to be reminded of all that you've done and all that you are. And by the way, if you don't know how to do this, just some of the scriptures that I've just given you, you can hold on to those and sort of start meditating on those. That'll be helpful. It'll be helpful if you started to read the scriptures and just go. And even if you don't want to read the scriptures, just start praying this. God, would you give me a desire to read the scriptures? And you go, now, you know, God, give me a desire to even want to read the scriptures. Put it in me. You're the word, and I want to know you, because if I know you more, I'll enjoy you more. I'll apply you to my life. Now, watch this. What if tomorrow morning, what if tomorrow morning you started to put on the belt of truth? What would happen? Let's say, for instance, you ran to the A train or the J train or the C train or whatever, the 7 train. You ran, and it wasn't there, right? Like it just had taken off. And then you start saying those old lies to yourself. Man, I'm cursed, man. There's nothing good ever happens to me. I can't even catch a train. Listen to me. Listen to me. You put on the belt of truth. God has loved me since the foundations of the world. And if I didn't catch that train, I either need to uh, wake up a little bit earlier or God is trying to spare me from something. But I can trust that right now in this moment is his moment for my life. What would that look like? What would, what would your commute look like if that was the truth? What, what, about, what about you go to work and everybody else is overstressed about what you got to do? Come on, guys. You know, the customer's going to be here tomorrow. I mean, the customer's going to be here in a few hours, and everybody's freaking out, and the deadline is there, and you don't know what to do, and oh, my gosh, you feel the pressures of the deadline and all that other stuff, and everybody's running around like a chicken without a head, but you... But you, you go, wait, my God will give me everything that I need according to his glorious riches. God gives me everything that I need for this moment. I'm going to work diligently. I'm going to work focused. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to give my best. But my anxiety is not going to be with everyone else because God is with me. Why? Because I'm putting on the belt of truth. See, what, what if tomorrow... Your spouse starts yelling at you and blaming you for something you did not do. What would happen if you put on the belt of truth and you go like this? You go, Jesus, is this how you feel when I blame you for things that you didn't do but I did myself? Have you ever blamed Jesus for things he didn't do? Things that you set yourself up for? Like he tried to keep you out of that relationship. You fought real hard to to be in that relationship and then found out a snake was a snake. Right? And then what if, what if, if your spouse accuses you of something or, or in some way, what if you went, oh, man, I'm not going to feed into this. I don't have to because my identity doesn't lie in how you view me. My identity lies in what Christ has done for me. I live in light of the gospel. I am applying the truth of the gospel. What if tomorrow? You lose your paycheck, and it's like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to pay the bills? Or, or some money, you know, your car breaks down, and you have to pay for that, and you didn't know that you had to, and money, money's an issue. What if, 
What if you go, oh, wait, wait, wait. My security doesn't lie with my money. My security lies with Jesus. See, what if tomorrow, imagine tomorrow comes, and then it's, what is it, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night? When does the food thing start to tug on your stomach? I don't know. 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock? And it comes tomorrow and it says, Edwin, you have to eat this thing or you're not going to be happy. He goes, no, 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 no. Jesus is my satisfaction. Jesus is my sweet thing. Jesus is the thing that will satisfy and won't give me a tummy ache and won't make me hate myself, and won't make me want to throw up afterwards. Jesus will fill me with delight and joy and satisfaction. What would it be like? What would it be like if you walked with the belt of truth? I'm telling you, it would change every moment of every day of your life. It would revolutionize the way you view relationships, the way you view suffering? What if you're going through suffering right now? And you go, well, you know why I'm going through suffering? Because God is punishing me. God hates me. God is harming me. Or because, you know, I'm just no good and I deserve this. I can be reminded, wait, Jesus took my punishment on the cross. Therefore, I am guilt Free, I can walk in the freedom that the cross and the gospel allows. You see, beloved, when we put the, the belt of truth on, it changes how we see everything. So let me ask you this. What are you going to do tomorrow? Are you going to walk around like Jesus is something that you just uh, experience on Sundays? Or tomorrow, are you going to start tonight, today, this moment, are you going to start applying the truth? But you go, I don't know the truth. Well, do what I suggested before. Start getting involved with reading the scriptures. Start looking into, uh, have a quiet time. There's a matter of fact, if you do this, if you just go on the internet and go Bible study plan or Bible reading plan, you will get I don't know, a million, two million, ten million options. Choose the first three. Choose the first three. So you could start feeding yourself with the truth because we've been told, told lies. And those lies have harmed us. And we've believed lies to be true. And they're not for us. No, beloved, stand in the truth of the gospel. You know what's interesting? Remember how I told you in the beginning how I was tempted, I went, I acted out, and I felt terrible about it, and the tears flew and all that other stuff? A few weeks ago, two weeks ago, same thing happened, only it was more intense. The temptation came for just the sim very similar, very similar thing. And you know, what, you know what happened? God put in my heart to call a brother in Christ because a cord of three strands is not easily broken, meaning that when we're together, we're a lot stronger than when we're separate. And so you know what I did? I called my friend who's a pastor, and he's in another state, and he's in another state. He's like six-hour drive from here. And I told him, bro, you wouldn't believe, man. This is like 
really messing with me. I feel like I'm going to act out. You know what he did? He goes, you too? And then we thought, you know what we started to do? We, wanted to, we shared with one another. And you know what it enabled us to do? Stand. Stand firm with the belt of truth. That, and, and here was the truth. And here was the truth. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation is seized you except what's common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he'll provide a way out. That was true. The truth, the truth is not the only, way to give, the only way to get rid of temptation is to give in to temptation. That's not the truth. The truth is, is that my brother in Christ, he won't look down on me. He won't go, and you call yourself a pastor. He'll go, brother, let's run to Jesus together. Because we're both wrestling with the same thing. So apply the belt of truth to your life. And remember this, if you don't have joy, if you don't have the freedom that you're looking for in Christ, remember this, in order for the truth to be enjoyed, it's got to be applied. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you We thank you, Lord, that your word is truth. We thank you that while Jesus was here on earth, he said that I am the truth. Lord, we don't have to lie to others to either protect ourselves or to impress others. We don't have to believe true, we don't have to believe lies anymore because you've given us the belt of truth. Our identity is in Christ. And whether it's bitterness or shame, whether it's loss or suffering, whether it's discouragement or depression, Lord, we can walk in the truth. Because you yourself are the truth. And you've given in us the truth so that we might enjoy you, rest in you, live free in Christ, delight in you, and walk with the freedom that comes with wearing the belt of truth. Father, I'm grateful for this congregation, Lord. I pray as a congregation that we would stand firm together. I pray that we would speak truth into each other's lives, reinforcing the truth. I pray, Lord, that we would walk in the joy of Christ and not in the old accusations that used to bring us to sin. So, Lord, I ask that you would, in a very real way, touch our minds, Touch our hearts. Touch our lives to believe the truth. And Lord, I specifically pray for those here who struggle with lies that they've told themselves for so long that they don't even recognize them as lies. They don't think about what they think about. Those who just believe automatically lies about themselves, like that you'll never love them or that you're sending your son to die on the cross for them is not sufficient because their wickedness is so terrible. Remind us, O oh God, 
that no sin is so deep that your grace is not deeper still. Remind us, oh God, that our sin is no match for your love. Remind us, oh God, that everything we've ever looked for in this world can only find, find its fulfillment in Christ Jesus. Help us to wear the belt of truth and be reminded that the only way truth is to be enjoyed is if it's applied in Christ. For we do pray in Jesus' name, amen.